Hello and welcome to the KT Music Podcast. Today is episode 11 with Richard Devine. My name is Caden. My name is Thomas. And this is the KT Music, a conversation with. Today is Richard Devine and I have a little introduction I wrote down. Richard is an award-winning sound designer and electronic music composer. Having released music through several several of the world's most revered and progressive electronical labels, including Warp, Detroit Underground, Asphodel, and Schematic. His music is characterized by glitches, complex rhythms, and heavy use of digital sound processing. His work in the sound design field has been applied to consumer products worldwide, ranging from smartphones to electric cars. Is that accurate to in, in any sense? Yes, yeah, it's very accurate. Yes. Um, a, a very good summary. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Good introduction. <laughs> I was paraphrasing multiple sources of uh, biographies of you. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff is I haven't kept up my bios very updated. I, I do a lot of stuff that it's still not updated on a lot of the websites and interviews okay. and features and stuff. Right. I just work on so many things. It's hard to yeah. keep, yeah, you seem like a keep busy everything guy. like catalog. What, uh, so what has changed? Like uh, from, from what I described there, what's more present in your day-to-day life more than ever? Um, It's, it's pretty much the same sound okay. design stuff. Um, You know, I work with many clients, video game companies, technology-based companies. Sure. Um, it's it's anything that deals with taking sound and implementing it into a environment, whether that's a software environment, virtual reality experience, sure. a car, wow. uh, yeah. iOS app. You work with BMW. It could, it could be anything. That's super cool. Yeah, it's like it's uh, it, my job has gone in so many different directions over the years. Um, you know, I started in advertising. I worked in the advertising really? industry for about. 15, wow. well, close to, well, no more, closer to 18 years. That's where I made a lot of the initial connections working with companies yes. like Nike and AKQA and Wyden and Kennedy, who are based in Portland. Um, so what kind of stuff did you do with them? Um, I did sound design for um, like large campaigns for like Coca-Cola, AT&T. Oh, that's super cool. Verizon. Uh, so what we would do is we would... Um, a lot of those companies, when uh, you know they would launch an international campaign, we would I would be hired to design all the sounds for the website, international website launches, and then those that would also entail like advertising campaigns where we would do TV commercials. Um, so I would do a lot of the sound design and scoring for any of the uh, new products that would you know whether that's like a car or you know, with like Nike, we would do their shoe campaign. So I would be, you know, I would not only work on the actual website, the international website, sound design for all the navigation buttons and things, but um, anything that was affiliated with the brand of the shoes, uh, I would be hired to also do the sound design for that, for those spots as That's well. That's pretty sweet. Um, yes, it was, it was cool. It was a lot, you gain a lot of experience working to picture, working with producers and. Yeah, and, uh, I, I bet. So how did, was, how did you get into that? field like i mean it's so it seems so niche to do i mean it, it it also doesn't because like where don't you hear sound effects but like it's super cool that someone just 
mean, it's, it's obviously a very big part of who you are. I mean, your music is so gestural and like textural based that, I mean, it's, it's clearly a big part of your music. So how did, what made you want to go into sound effect design specifically more or less? Uh, I'd say it started back when I started working with uh, Native Instruments back okay. in 1999. Um, and they wow. just celebrated their 25th year anniversary. Holy smokes. Yes. Recently. Yeah, yeah, they've been around for 20. I actually just did a video. They did an, a video feature interview with me. I think it was called something like Artists Talking Retrospective, like 25 yeah. years That's awesome. with Native Instruments. And I'd been working with them for 20, 20 plus years, 23 years, wow. 24 years as a uh, contract on and off content producer and sound designer for a lot of their software packages. Um, so like making everything. presets and stuff? Mm-hmm. That's presets, cool. samples for contact, um, instrument design from Reactor to you know, patch design from FM7, uh, FM8 to Massive, Sweet. the original version of Massive. I was on the design team for that. Oh, really? The most that's that's version. one of my favorite, we that's use one of my favorite plugins. Yeah, oh, and I actually worked on the recent uh, Massive X, their most recent oh, version nice. of Massive. And uh, several cool. of the uh, Massive uh, expansion libraries that have come out, I worked on, as well as the machine expansion libraries. I've worked on quite wow. a few of those. And yeah, a lot of people don't no, uh, but I worked quite heavily with Native Instruments over you, the years. You're behind the scenes with so them. Wow, that's, that's I, I find stuff. that kind of crazy because you think about how many people use Reactor. I mean, me and Caden use it in our latest album. And what I was thinking about before the episode was how many times have people heard your work without realizing it? You know, sound little sound bites and, you know, I mean, and presets especially. I don't use them 100% of the time, but... When I'm going through them in Reactor or Massive, they definitely influence what I'm doing with uh, song inspiration. So, I mean, to be the person who makes those presets, I mean, you're really influencing a lot of musicians. And, and you don't even realize it. Yeah. What are some of the things that mean, not just musicians, people that are just like, you know, average people, where might they have heard some of your work without realizing it? Well, I remember one time... This was kind of a funny story. I remember being in my kitchen and my wife had the television on. I think it was like yeah. BBC logo came on for one of the plan- uh, uh, Planet Earth DVDs or something. This was okay, like okay. a while ago. <laughs> um, and the logo came up and I heard it was like, I was like, hey, I know that sound. It was like an absinthe <laughs> patch I made. Wow. And who, I don't know who the guy was they hired that worked on the BBC logo, opening logo for the DVD menu. Um, it was just like they used, they just used the preset as it was. There wasn't That's really so much funny. change. Nice. And I remember just being like, that is so funny that they just used full that circle. <laughs> so Yeah, how, totally. Full circle. How, did, how does that make you feel to be, I mean, you must hear or at least recognize your presets, not regularly, but like, you know, that must happen at least a few times where you recognize like, Oh, I made that sound. How does that feel when you hear someone using your sound that you've made in a song? I think, or... it's, I think it's awesome. That's yeah. Cool. I think that you've reached your goal, I think yeah. as a sound designer or, you know, whatever you want to call what I do, but um, it's, I think ultimately at the end of the day, you're trying to create a moment of inspiration for that person. Yeah. Like you want to get them, you want to create something where it's like a, it's an inspirational springboard to do something else. That's kind of how yeah. I look at it. You, it you may not want to use the sound. Right. Yeah. It resonates with them in a certain way. And it kind of gets you 
excited to do something. That's kind of like my goal. That's like awesome. if I create a sound, you know, it's like, you know, I want to do something with this. I want to make a piece of music or it's inspired me to kind of do something creative with this sound. Or uh, I've heard so many people send me things where I was like, wow, I never thought I just never imagined the sound being used in that context or in this genre of music or, yeah. um, you know, I, I remember Robert Hankey, who's, uh, I don't know oh, yeah. know, from Ableton. Yeah. Right. He's also known as the artist named Mono Lake. I'll never forget. Robert made an entire song out of one of my absinthe patches. That's cool. Are you um, kidding me? He's a cool guy. Yeah. And he's a really cool guy. And he, I remember I was at the NAMM show one time he brought the CD up to me and said, I have to give you my CD because you inspired this entire song. That's um, cool. One absinthe patch, and he credited the absinthe patch and my name in the in the CD. It was a RY30. I I called the patch RY30, which I was actually trying to emulate an old Yamaha drum machine. Oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, and um, the only way that I could do it, it was a uh, I was using the breakpoint editor and absinthe. So I was like make using one oscillator as a kick drum, another one as a snare, oh, and then the hi hat. That's super were, cool. That's intuitive. Yeah. Yeah, and back then no one was doing that. You know, I don't think people were thinking that you could use absinthe in that way, like as yeah. a sort of like a, um, you know, a break point. That's, that's uh, cool because like, I mean, looking, I mean, looking behind you, you, you clearly like your equipment. And I, I feel like people, I mean, I, I've got a good few bits of equipment, but I don't often spend a lot of time just making presets. So I feel like someone who makes presets, I mean, with something like, like you said with absinthe, I mean, you really had a lot to think about because you mean when you make presets you really get to dive deep into just the one synthesizer or whatever i feel like if anyone can really work a synth it's got to be you so as far as <laughs> yeah. that as far as that goes what are some of your favorite if you could only have three hardware synthesizers and you for the rest of your life what would they be <laughs> oh oh that'd be tough oh yeah um well i could you know i could i could say that right off the bat one of my favorites that's come out more recently was the Waldorf Quantum oh, synthesizer. Man. Oh yeah, I worked on that. Uh, actually, every synth that's in my studio, I've worked on. That's, that's super cool. Uh, um, that's why I've kept them here. A lot of people ask me like, why I have certain keyboards or synthesizers, yeah. and I, I pretty much keep only the ones I've worked on. And the reason why is because I know them really well. Makes sense. I can program on them fast because yeah. I was forced to learn, forced to learn how to use them. And I know exactly what their strengths and weaknesses are. That's cool. So I know exactly when I'm working in a piece or if I'm working on a project, I'm not sitting there fiddling around trying to find the right sound. I know yeah. exactly what each instrument's capable of doing. And it's like I'm, a I'm able to, exactly. Yeah. It's just a tool. It's just like a pencil or, or watercolor or whatever you want to call it. It's just, yeah. I know exactly what kind of timbre, um, it'll give me, so, um, I kind of keep those close by and always up and running and plugged in and that's crazy, um, but yeah, I'd say going back, um, another favorite is the Nord modular G2. I also huh. was on the original design team back in oh, 2004. Wow. That's, cloud wow. that's super cool. That. So I have, I don't know, over 128 factory presets that were in that. And then I've made thousands more since 2004, <laughs> many, many that I use, but that machine still to me is. Powerful. such a great sounding it's powerful and the concept is still to me it's it's really so far ahead you know when, would you, you could, i've i've never had a chance to mess around with i've heard a lot about them maybe a brief description of what the nord modular is 
It's a synthesizer and software environment um, okay. that allows you to create patches like you would in Reactor, which is mm -hmm. object-based, like node-based objects yeah. that represent like oscillators and filters or VCAs or sequencers, or um, it's a whole host of different DSP objects that you can link together via these virtual cables. Um, and then you can um, create a patch like a like in a modular synth or like yeah. max MSP. And then you can add physical controls to those patches and interact with them physically by That's assigning cool. them controls on the Nord uh, wow. synthesizer itself. And you can assign pages, you can do morph groups, you can do patch mutation. There's a patch mutator where you can take one patch and uh, take another patch and then create children based off a of mother really? and, a, and a father. Oh yeah. That's super cool. Some... I've got to check that out. So I it'll heard... like randomize wow. various parts of the patch that you've created and you can create new snapshots out of the patch that you've created. So you can even find like all these undiscovered sounds within the patch that you've designed entirely yourself. So yeah. it's, it's That's super cool. It, like I said, it's very, for the time when it came out in 2004 or 2003, wow. when That's I was super learning, you got to think about how far ahead they were yeah uh conceptually with that with that instrument and it's still to me it still withstands the test of time and it's still a very versatile uh instrument that i still use i have two of them that are fully expanded <laughs> uh, that i still sick. use today nice. unfortunately they're the os that you're able to run the software on is uh, i think for me uh because mostly mac base is is mojave so i have i have a mojave oh. machine that runs oh. <laughs> That's still yeah. running the, the Nord 1.62 software. Wow. Um, so it's kind of like it stops at that point. They didn't further develop it. And it actually, I think it almost sank the company, actually. They, it was a, actually wow. a failure uh, yeah, for it's Nord. Speaking, you, know, you said that was Nord? Clavia. Mm -hmm. Clavia Nord. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who the make the Nord lead and, and the AN1 and all yeah, this. They, and actually... That's interesting to see them go into that field. They're more... At least from my, from what I've seen, they're more performance based. Like mm -hmm. that's super cool. Clavinets and pianos, yeah, and, and those that's, sort of things. Yeah, they, they shifted their direction. Yeah, to kind of be more of a keyboard players instrument company, where they just kind of went where the money was. I mean, they make sure. quality instruments. There's nothing wrong with that. And they they originated as a synthesizer company. That's where I discovered them from okay, the yeah. Nordlead line. I have those I still have my Nordlead two and Nordlead three and. Um, the Nordlead Four and Nord Drum. I have many, many Nords. They're they're a great company, and I've actually yeah. worked doing sound design on on those synthesizers as well for That's them. That's awesome. So I was very familiar with those. Um, I, uh, those I, since. I'm just I'm blown away by how much you've done, and I mean I've forgotten to. <laughs> and it's it's I'm, I'm not I'm, honestly I'm not entirely surprised because you know growing up I I discovered your music when I was probably eleven or twelve. I think it was some, I don't know, something you did online and I saw it and I was like, this is just super cool. And you had the description of exactly how you made it. And I remember reading it over and over and over and just being like, that is nuts. <laughs> and it, I mean, and then I, I showed my dad and he was like, oh, I know. I used to hang out with him. And I was like, what? And really? yeah, well, James Ryan, Jim Ryan, back in the Detroit days when you were in Detroit oh. underground and stuff. And okay. I, I told I told him we were doing a podcast with him. And he goes, that's going to be great. He's a great guy. So, oh, that's awesome. But what he also had to say was that you were always working. 
and that you were one of the more hardworking musicians that he had seen. And I'm not surprised to hear all these achievements you've gotten because you can't really do that without working hard. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm a workaholic, but I love it. It's like, I don't yeah. really even, it's funny when you think of the word work, I don't even look at it as work. It's like, yeah, I'd be doing what it you for do. free. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I love it so much that, and That's it was awesome. funny. I went to school for graphic design. I got my wow, BFA oh, really? in, in design. And I always thought, I was like, hey, I'm going to be a designer and I'll just do the music stuff for fun, for my own personal pleasure. Right. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really doing it for money. Yeah. And I try to tell people all that all the time that, you know, I'm like, don't, don't do it because you think you want fame or money or something. Right. You're yeah. not going to really, it's not the right reason. Do it because you have a passion for it. And you yes. just love it. And you don't care if one person likes your music or, yeah. you know, like for me, I was just making weird music for myself. Yeah. And like I was being influenced by all these other artists that I was really into and trying to try to find my own voice, trying to find my own sound and yeah. experimenting who, and having fun. And <laughs> who were some of your biggest influences in the beginning and nowadays? Um, back when I first started, um, it's interesting you, you mentioned the Detroit connection because i was influenced by a lot of the early detroit producers yeah. like juan atkins model 500 and oh yeah um a, like drexia was a big one that oh I love. yeah definitely drexia's music I, I just was like man these people make really weird like electro <laughs> like distorted 808 stuff like Their stuff is so like, sick yeah i just was really curious about them and um mike banks um uh, the the red planet records all his early stuff oh, okay. was just like yeah really blew me away a lot of that stuff was like mystery like carl craig and like a lot of the early detroit stuff early techno stuff was really you know transmat and planet eight and right. a lot of the reasons and of course what richie was doing too i was really oh, big yeah. into richie hot and plastic pan his early stuff um i attended a bunch of the early parties and raves that he did back in the day in kentucky and detroit and chicago like i would drive up because there wasn't back when raves first started happening like late 89 early 90s there wasn't even a scene in atlanta we had to drive up to chicago oh, yeah. or detroit to the midwest to go see these parties and i remember driving. going to hear richie play back in the day being like whoa man plastic man's trippy stuff like first time hearing like really liquid process 303s and stuff yeah. and like just being <laughs> super inspired um by his music and the whole the whole idea of like the detroit sound like coming from like it's like this stark city right you know filled with mystery and like <laughs> these producers that just like is just for somebody that didn't live i, I lived you know in georgia and like in the woods yeah. it was just like this sort of like metropolis yeah idea like you know it was very like it is it was like exotic and beautiful and like um mysterious to me and i just love that aspect to it so those were like the first some of the first um I'd say first artist that I got into eventually I started to discover the things I, I discovered warp records who I see your shirt there. I remember <laughs> buying, I think it was just Jekta's first rector record at a, at a record shop totally back. And I bought it because of the album cover. I was like, what? I was like, this is absolutely most gorgeous. Whoever the company was who designed this album cover, they must've spent a ton of money. And I remember like, yeah, oh, the designers Republic, I don't know who they oh, were. It was yeah. kind of like, figuring out like this puzzle how, how to put everything together and i remember um dis discovering apex and autecker and um the artificial intelligence series 
uh, I think I was seven, 17 years old in high school. I was very okay. young when yeah. I first bought this stuff. And it's about when I, I think, got into FX Twin. Yeah. Yeah. I bought, I think the first thing I bought was um, Meat Beat Manifesto EP remixes oh, nice. that had <laughs> um, Aphex, rem- it was an Aphex Twin remix um, of the oh, Mindstream EP, was what the uh, record was. And I remember just being blown away. I was like, wow. Richard James, this guy is so he is you, onto something. <laughs> you remixed "Come to Daddy." How did that happen? Oh yeah, that was crazy too. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> Warp Records was celebrating their ten year anniversary. Yeah, um, and I just started doing. I had my first album released with Warp, um, which was a whole crazy experience in itself. Um, and started doing shows with them and compilations and remixes. Right. And Steve Beckett at Warp. Um, when we were doing the 10, the, the, the concept of the warp 10 um, or whatever warp 10 was like, yeah, the, like who were the next generation, like the next 10 years of okay. who, uh, warp was going to be. Um, and yeah, so, uh, Rob Mitchell, who I was working with primarily at warp, unfortunately he passed away, um, 2001 from cancer, which yeah. completely changed the record label and. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but yeah. um, it shifted a lot of directions and things. Uh, there was it was a bit of a dark period for them after he passed away because Rob was a real was the real visionary behind Warp. Yeah, was the one who like signed LFO and Autechre and all the really kind of really forward thinking electronic music on that label. Yeah, right. Um, he was the one who reached out to me. Uh, Rob reached out to me and I was like, I really love your stuff and. Um, Rob actually had heard my stuff through Sean, from Sean from Autecker because Sean was initially was, that's cool. Sean and Rob were the first two people to hear my stuff, and they were the first people to actually reach out back to me to give me encouragement. Say, hey, you're doing some cool stuff. You should pass your tape on to Steve and Rob at, at Warp. And I was so like, what really? Time, wow. What time would this be? What's the time frame? I want to say late '90s, '97, '96 okay. is when. Yeah, when when we start, we did a couple shows with them, and Sean had heard this remix I did for um, Chocolate Industries. We we did this thing; it was a co- collaboration record of this old hip hop track, Tribe by Twelve. Oh, um, <laughs> that we all remixed, and it got licensed by Ninja Tune at the time. Cool. And Sean heard my remix and like wrote me this really awesome email saying, you know, something like, you know, we just heard you use Flatbush remix. It's really amazing i remember just being like whoa okay sean from my techers that must have that must have done a a good bit of a work on your head (laughs) yeah yeah Um, at the time you know i was i felt like i was still learning and stuff and i was like okay i must be on the right path if my peers vote of confidence are yeah it was like they're they're confident in what i'm doing they're they're digging what i'm doing and then you know i get a call from rob from warp and they said they love to put out my first album and i was like whoa this is crazy how this came full circle so yeah. quickly even and, when you, uh, you said you were just doing it for fun yeah i was still just kind of at my parents house like learning and you know experimenting and just trying to figure out things you know and yeah. uh like um musically was still on this journey of uh of trying to understand how everything works and um yeah, it was, it's crazy how quickly it all happened. Um, that seems to be a big driver of your motivation, just curiosity. Curiosity, yeah, I'm a very it's curious very, person. Yeah. Um, I'm just like always 
Yeah, like you said, that's exactly it. I'm always like curious to try different things and experiment saying, hmm, what happens if I did this yeah, and exactly. did this to this? What would happen? And sometimes really crazy <laughs> things happen. And sometimes nothing happens, you know, yeah. but at least you have to try, you know. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, you know, at least you put an honest effort into to see what the possibilities could be. Sometimes it yields really great results. And then results you learn what not to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know what not to do, you know? And, uh, and sometimes doing it wrong is the right way. You know, right. like I tell people all the time, there's no rules to it. There's no right or wrong way of doing things. It's just whatever emotionally moves someone to do something, whether that's inspire them or they experience something from the music or sounds that you've created. I mean, ultimately that's really the most important thing. It doesn't really matter what tools you use or definitely the yeah. process of how you got there. I think a lot of people that see me think I get, they're like, Oh, it's all based on this <laughs> studio and the tools and the tech, yeah. but really the, it's not. I mean, mm -hmm. if you, if, if, if we go back to like, if, if we go back to saying what my favorite, if I had to be on a desert Island, just with yep. nothing, I'd just take my laptop with me. That's yeah, you know? smart. I'll be honest with you guys. You know I mean? Like I, I could do, I really could do everything on my laptop if I had to. It definitely seems um, like you have all the tools because it's involved with your line of work. More sure. Than, more than anything. Yeah. So. You know what I mean? It, you give me a trash can, I'll make music with that. I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not like picky at all. You know, um, it's like, Good. but at the end of the day, if I had to choose one thing, I could do everything on a laptop easily. No problem. And a pair of headphones and give me, I really don't even need a keyboard controller. I could just do yep. a laptop and a pair of headphones with, and a mouse. With the keys. I'd be good to go. Sigling, yeah, I could use MIDI. the function keys to do stuff, yeah. to enter in things. So, or uh, there's other ways of doing things. You know, I could build sequencers. I've built tons of stuff in the computer to do things. And um, yeah, that would be my ultimate definitely yeah, desert island synth if I had to choose. <laughs> just a MacBook Pro. <laughs> so we're actually coming up on a year now. This month, you released your album, Cystic. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Oh, you forgot about that, too? <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's uh, just, yeah, that's already flown by. I'm like, wow, I, it's already been a year. It's it, crazy. Yeah, no, it's definitely crazy. Time has definitely flown. And one thing, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this website on my phone that's talking about your, your setup. And it's just very, it's very manifold it's talking about these two this roland tr8s and you use that as the main clock to your two 303s and <laughs> your album had a very live feel to it at least the first the first song and so how did you really start to get your feet wet with live performance because wasn't it four days ago that or a couple days ago that you were in denver performing yeah, that's right. Actually, yeah, I played at Black Box, which was really fun. And actually, yeah. I'm flying tomorrow to play in Austin. Are you uh, kidding me? Yeah, at another festival, outdoor festival tomorrow night. Um, That'll be great. I think they, yeah, yeah, Austin's great. I love that city. It's uh, always have fun there. Great food scene and good folks. I've got a lot of friends that that work out there in the video game industry. That that's cool. I've cool. known for years. And but yeah, the live performance aspect is always something that I've always had fun with. That's the to me, one of the most ultimate great experiences you could you can yeah. do is go out and directly play a show in front of your fans, and yeah. you can get the feedback you get is so so great. So I'm always trying to play new things, sure. um, always new stuff. I never play like older things or right. stuff off that stuff that's been released. I'm constantly like, oh, I'm going to try these. <laughs> 
new patches of these new songs and see yeah. like if they're really working or not because i'm always like trying to um even on my social media i do the same thing i'm always like, constantly working on new pieces of music and i'm always yeah, like really i see that i always thing. love your posts i check like nearly every like every other <laughs> day or every day there's just like a nice minute long of just totally just it's just cool a snippet loops. of like what i'm working on yeah and it's, it's very a good, real. It's a good way to get feedback, and people yeah. can just kind of peer into like my process of like what yeah. I'm currently working on at that moment or messing with, and and that's all it really is, you know. It's just cool. it's it's nothing more than that. Um, but yeah, the live performance thing is is really fun for me. That's I think it's one of my favorite aspects about being an electronic musician is yeah. going out and playing for uh, people and on a big PA system Definitely. and oh, just yeah. some well, of the. What are some special moments you've had, like as far as live shows? Is there any that stand out more than others, either for performance or the experience? Man, there's been so many over the years. <laughs> um, I'd say one of the most memorable ones was when I played at Red Rocks uh, oh. in uh, Colorado. I remember playing, uh, opened up for STS9, who's a group. Oh, wow. That's from pretty Santa sick. Cruz. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's totally solid. It's like nine or ten thousand people, and I'll never forget it. My oh. daughter was dancing behind me. Oh, nice! On, awesome. on stage, you know, so my kids were like dancing, and it was like a whole family thing. My whole family came out, and, and my daughter was <laughs> like, "Can I help you, Dad? Like with your set?" And I was like, "All right, here, turn this knob." And she, of course, she didn't grab that. No, she turned. She just grabbed something else. She turned my whole system off. Oh no! Oh, great. Like, yeah, like my whole modular system had shut down to nothing, and I was like, you know, you know like ten thousand people staring at me, just kind of like, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and i'll never forget that i was just like well you know hey you 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 set yourself up for that one so yeah <laughs> probably you know you, you can't really get mad and you know but it was a funny moment you know it's That's just funny. kind of like oh you know at one of the most legendary venues in the country so right you have yeah. your daughter and That's then, awesome. what happens Cata catastrophe happens but um <laughs> but yeah i mean i i've had um, I've had lots of wonderful shows over the years and all, you know, some of my favorite shows have been in Europe in Japan, right. Australia. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been pretty much all over the place and, um, I can't really say that, that one was better th than the other ones, right. but they've sure. all been awesome. And like, I love, I think I most enjoy playing like more intimate. Okay. Um, Small, yeah. Clubs, you know, maybe okay. like a hundred, 200 people where it's not too, you know, you know, you know, I feel, I feel like when there's thousands of people, there's like this barrier, it's like a disconnect. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like it's, you get lost like, in the people get like, lost. Just looks like a sea yeah. of heads isolating. It's, yeah. And then that's cool. But like, I, I feel like I like the more intimate, you like the connection, like you can see that same connection. person, the whole set and you can see when <laughs> exactly. they're dancing. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I played in New York like two weeks ago with this guy named William Fields, who okay. I'm a big fan of right now. William's on conditional records and he built the, he designed his entire system that he makes music with. It's, it's That's completely algorithmic crazy. based and he could train the system and it can, he oh, can train it and create data sets with it. It's got machine learning capabilities. That's and, crazy. Um, so he can do different styles in music that he, if he wants, that works at different BPMs, you should watch his stuff. It's fascinating. So uh, yeah, I, I basically, will. that's very fascinating. I booked this show basically cause, uh, well, they wanted to book me to play, but they'd asked me if I, if there was anyone I wanted to have open for me. And I was like, Oh, I'd love to get William Fields to play since he's in awesome. Philadelphia is only a couple hours away. So it was more of a selfish reason just to see him play live <laughs> yeah, but it was cool. actually a show for me i was like i know yeah you guys want to come see me play but i'm really really interested to see yeah. this guy play this that's is cool. like the real i'm really really 
think this guy is like doing the next really amazing big things sure. when it comes yeah. to electronic music and uh, it blew me away but everybody that came to that show it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge show it was like you know maybe like 150 people or okay something. Right. um but everybody was so locked like yeah. in that room that night like when it stopped everyone was like oh my god it was like everybody was on the edge of their seat that's awesome you know listening to every little minute detail um it was like perfect to hear william in that yeah, uh, environment I where i could just concentrate and listen to every sound everybody in the room was completely locked i love that where you just everyone's just in the same headspace just like completely like yeah. like it's just like oh what's gonna happen next you know <laughs> yeah, just exactly. that kind of on That's the edge so of your cool. seat it was just i love that, that everyone becomes is, one it's totally fair. yeah it's just it was a really awesome vibe it's best best way i could describe it is i love i love those type of scenarios or situations where yeah. you can you really kind of feel the presence of everyone together kind of following along what you're doing. And uh, it's just a very close, intimate thing, I guess. It's harder yeah. to do when there's like, you have you yeah. know, a bigger crowd. There's more noise. There's a lot of people, more people talking, yeah. other things happening. So there's distractions and the more Definitely. and more that multiplies, the less in, intimate it feels. I mean, you can still have a bunch of people that are raging all together, yeah. um, but it's just a different, a different kind of a thing for me, I think, but I guess it also depends on the kind of music too, you know? Yeah. That like, makes sense. What type of music is, um, yeah. You go to a rock kind of concert and people want, you know, to rock out. Yeah, yeah. People are gonna be drinking beers and you know, it's a whole different go kind to of a jazz for... concert at a, you know, it's, <laughs> it's all very, it totally is. It's like varying degrees of like, um, you know, I guess like musical mind focus, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's a, kind it's of... a preconceived context. It's very much. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of brings up a question. What were some of the last shows that you attended just exclusively as an attendee? Wow. Let's see here. That's a good question. <laughs> Thank you. Um, um, let's see. The last one we went to was the XX. Uh, the band, the XX, Jamie XX. My daughter's a huge XX fan. She loves oh, that band. Okay. My daughter's nine years old, by the way. So nice. she's Mine's into too. a lot of like radio <laughs> nice. music or, or I cool. wouldn't say the XX is like radio music, but they're like, um, they're a really good band. I'll have to check um, them out. And yeah. Yeah. They're very, um, they have this like retro kind of like old, like sort of like eighties alternatives okay. style sound like, everything but the girl slash kind of i don't know how to describe it they have okay. a male vocalist too and then jamie xx does all the electronics and stuff in the band in the in the band so it's like this really interesting fusion of like electronic but like hybrid kind of like alternative off-kiltered pop style writing of music really catchy really yeah. great songwriting like i mean yeah so i think that was like the last concert i went to right i so took my wife and I took my daughter to, to cool. see because she's such a big fan of them, knows all their songs by heart. So something I'm curious about is, you know, I've I have a daughter who's two years old and something that kind of I have to work with is working on music and spending time with kids. You know, what how was that like? What was that like for you? And what did you learn in that time? Like when you had your first kid and you were, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's time management it becomes a thing. Yeah. When you yep. have kids, I have two, I have a four-year-old son and I have a nine-year-old daughter now. And yeah, you know, they're in, both in school now. So basically yeah. the school schedule dictates everything now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of rules our life. Me and my wife, you know, 
prior to having kids, we kind of just did what we wanted to do. We could kind of get up just depending on whatever job or whatever that would dictate more. But then the kids schedule now took over and that really now changed everything. So I now work around that. I used to work late night in the studio, but now I work really early. Like after I drop my daughter off at the bus stop, I'm in like in the studio and I'm like grinding from like seven o'clock. So like seven. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like just getting started at seven at night. What what was it like? (laughs) What was it like before they were in school? Cause that's the situation I'm in now. And it's like, Jet, my wife's in college, so I'm full time baby, baby duty. Mm-hmm. So, what, mm-hmm. what was your routine like when you, you know, when they weren't in school? Man, it's, it can be crazy sometimes. Yeah, having two kids is, um, especially if my wife was out. I mean, yeah. I just have no choice. I'd have to take care, you know, you just take care of them. You just, you figure it out. It just, you, you work around, you kind of make your schedule work into theirs and then yeah. make their schedule kind of work into you too. It's kind of a two-way thing and it just sort of melds together. It's sort of work. I don't know how it worked for me. That's how it worked. It just kind yeah, of happened. <laughs> and I just would find time. I just shifted the time that I would work, you know, my hours in, it just moved around from so, what it used to be. It's basically the opposite of what it used to be. So is your, and, is your daughter into music? Like does she just oh, want yeah. to spend all the time in the studio with you. <laughs> He's, we've gotten her into guitar and vocal lessons and piano cool. lessons. Nice. And I, um, she's gotten really good, really good with the vocal lessons. That's like awesome. she's, her singing is incredible now. It, uh, like she's already writing her own songs and she's starting, so cool. she's starting to write on garage band. And nine yeah, years old. Oh my God. Yep. Is she into modular synths yet? <laughs> oh, she's she's played drums. I've built her a little studio upstairs, so she's That's got awesome. like a, oh, nice. a Fender eighty-eight Key Rhodes that I have up there, old oh, nineteen seventy-four nice. Rhodes, and um, I got her a Yamaha um, Mod X eighty-eight. Oh, those key are great. Up there too. Oh yeah, yeah. Just for learning, um, since I've done, I did a lot of sound design work with Yamaha and the Montage, and they hooked me up oh, with nice. the Montage and the, and the Mod X. So Dang. I gave one to my daughter so that she would learn, have something to learn on, so she can learn basic synthesis but play some yeah you know basic arrangements and just, i gave cool. her a moog fatty i got a little fatty up there and a grandmother moog up there for her and That's yeah. so cool. she's got a better studio <laughs> rig than me <laughs> yeah i got her tr8 drum machine she's got a couple microphones um i've got her a microphone preamp that she can sing into um and some pedals and stuff up there and she's awesome yeah and a laptop i've got logic nice. running up there up there for her and um but she's really digging writing on in garage band because she can take the ipad anywhere and sing yeah and it is powerful yeah. the instant the instantaneous of it of just being like i can strum some it's very tangible guitar chords yeah, tangible make some drums and she can like i'm trying to teach her how to like that's really what's important like just figure out what sound you want figure out how yeah, you want to get yeah. it together um then you can put all the details in later on so i'm trying to initially get her ideas into something yeah, that she can go back to yeah, sure. put pencil to paper so, so to exactly speak, yeah so to speak yeah. is is what she's learning right now so she's also learning like the technique of like singing the notes uh on oh. time and c- keeping the pitches <laughs> yeah. and learning scales and harmonies and all that sort of stuff now but also like i'm trying to bring in the whole like find what your voice is like what yeah. you want to yeah. do what That's music speaks to sure. you and then figure out the mechanics of how to arrange and put yeah. all that together because that's a lot of people have a difficult time with that even i have, have a difficult yeah. time with that Ooh, i think people a, can write little sketches and little things but then it's like all right 
now how do I finish this into a complete song? That's yeah. a whole other ball game. That the fully turn. developed ideas are very, I mean, Hard it to makes flesh me out going, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which for a lot of people, a lot of people don't make it any further than that. I have a ton of th- patches or ideas that I started that I'm like, I've forgotten about. I'll go back to the folder of all these things I've made and I'll be like, Oh yeah, I should yeah. really go back and finish that. And, or um, it's like making something that you feel like, excited enough to stay involved with to keep yeah. burning through it to get to the end you know so i think that's really important i want to make sure that she yeah like has those skills that those um, are super important yeah because i feel like i struggled with those things i was like why not like get her started on that early so maybe she doesn't have to she could make a hit at any moment you never she know. could yeah like you never know you never know where she'll go um which is just awesome like i i'm i i didn't force it i just kind of like sure had stuff around for her if you like, put things you know, there like, yeah exactly yeah exactly i just kind of left things out for her to play with she would always play with like my cork volkas and like i'd always nice. have stuff in the living room on the floor for them to play with and even my son he loves all that stuff um that's awesome and it's he's starting to take interest in it as well you have a whole family of musicians yeah you know i mean we have so many musical instruments here why not have the whole family all the family play them and stuff so i i've been giving a lot of stuff to my daughter and my son just you know for them to super cool like i'm not trying to force it on them but i'm just like hey if you want to play with this stuff here's a super great piece of equipment you don't have to use it but i'll put it in your bedroom It always trips me out. I tell people all the time that like, I'll sit there in the studio and I'm making crazy weird noises with my kids that are playing on my synths with me. And I'm right. like, wow, I created these two humans that are in my studio. Yeah, making it is pretty crazy. That just blows my mind away. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like your own, it's like your own music, but like in a weird, in a weird sense, it's music that you made, but sec by one generation apart or something totally yeah. it's crazy like yeah i've had so many moments of like those wow moments with your kids i think oh, yeah. another one that blew me away was we were at nam i was okay. like five or six years ago i want to say and i brought my daughter with me and we were at the i was doing something for korg and okay. tom at the manager korg was like hey herbie hancock is at the booth here if you guys want to meet him and i was like <laughs> oh, nice. no way i'm a huge herbie hancock fan and oh nice. my daughter loves herbie hancock so i play the headhunters cool. album oh my God, nice. house. some chameleon there you go yeah she loves the watermelon man song oh i love that one too. That's a good yeah song. so it was funny she was she had like a lollipop she was just hanging around and i go isla know that song watermelon man you want to meet the guy who made that song? She goes, no way. Where is he? Yeah, he's here. And I'm like, yeah. So I, I, I remember when Herbie met my daughter, I, he like, he, he goes down on one knee, starts talking to her. He's like, oh, you know, my music, you seem very young to know my music. She could, and she was only like four or five at the time, like right. really tiny, Oh my gosh, you know? And she's like, I love your, I, I love the song watermelon. Man. she starts singing it. She goes, boop, boop. And then like That's Herbie so starts funny. doing the tune with her. And me and my wife are like, what? This is That's like something special. Next level. We were just like, you know, music that we grew up listening to the album is one of our favorites yeah. of all time. You know, we would play and then we play it for our kids and it becomes their favorite. Yeah. And then now here we are staying with Herbie. And then my <laughs> daughter's interacting and they're that singing is the so song cool. together. It's like magic. It, just, it was total magic. Like it's moments like that where I'm just like, wow, like, you know, it, those are that's 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 what it's all about right there. It's grateful you know? to be like, here 100 totally you know it's just so awesome that 
things like in life yeah full circle sometimes like that yeah and really it's, just, it's a beautiful thing you know it is it really is i mean so many people get caught up on like everything else and then like forget to just have a good time and just chill out and just enjoy life so yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i love to i love to see everything just just come it it'll like the form the message is the same, but the form always changes. And I love to just see how that plays out in so many different yeah. ways. I mean, especially, I mean, in music and life and relationships, it's always, it's always there. It's, it is. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. It's the constant. Well, at least it's been in my life. It's always been the constant. Yeah. You know, music was always like the constant, no matter I'd had girlfriends come and go and all yeah. kinds of <laughs> yeah. Things come and go, you know, throughout my life, but I was always like able to fall back on music as like a, as like a place to escape, you know, Definitely. like it was always my, my, you know, my happy place that I could always go to and like, and it's just kind of focus on that. It's like art. I look at it as like any other form yeah. of art. It's very therapeutic. Like, yeah. Oh, because I came from like visual arts, like, you know, painting and drawing or whatever. A lot of those things, very therapeutic, you know, yeah, it's all really the same. It's just like it is, yeah. art for the different senses. Eyes is visual mm -hmm. art, ears is music and I see it all as a reflection. <laughs> it's when you make art, it's it's very much a reflection of everything. It you know, your emotional state, your it's all a conglomerate yeah. in some in some in some strange way. And I think Absolutely. to have to have art as your as always something to come back to is to always is to really always come back to yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, interesting concept. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is very true, though. Yeah, it is a direct refle reflection of your self expression of yourself. Yeah, I mean, so, and yeah, to me, it's very therapeutic to, for me to do it. You know, I talked to a lot of other musicians that, like, I'd go crazy if I couldn't make music, you know, and yeah. I remember actually. I remember reading articles about Richard James Aphex. He was saying that yep. very same thing. He said he would go nuts. Oh, yeah. He'd be a crazy person if he wasn't crazy music. Yeah. Yeah. Crazier than he already is. Yeah, um, exactly. Which is true. You know, like, I, I don't know what else I would do. You know, maybe I'd be doing something with the visual arts. Sure. Um, but yeah, like I get so much out of, you know, working with audio and, you know, doesn't necessarily have to even be writing a song. I could just be patching or designing sounds or just recording outside record field recording stuff. I do that all the time where I'm out yeah, just I recording see nature and stuff and um, just fascinated and curious, you know, and always looking for something new and interesting to get into. And yeah, that yeah. is just a constant quest in life that yeah, know, never gets old. It really yeah. never gets old for me. There's always something. You're very yeah. You're very active in displaying the message to other people just by just by even on Instagram every other day or every day, just sending out the message that this is what I love doing and I'm doing it because I love it. And it's very inspirational. Here it, yeah. here it is. You know, if you like Take, it, great. Love it or hate it. Or yeah. yeah. Like I said. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's there it is what it that's, is that's it is what it is yeah exactly yeah it should be that's how it should be yeah i'm not like trying to force any message down any no. throats or anything a lot of times I'm, i'll post stuff and it doesn't have any title or anything it's just like a emoticon of a moon or yeah something i've, I've or seen something. that or you had like a green dragon one day yeah it doesn't have any it's just like hey you know it's just like i'm having some fun 
just experimenting with this right now. And this is what's currently on in my headspace or, you know, what I'm messing around with or experimenting with. And, you know, and it's a good way to catalog ideas. I, I oh, love yeah. it's almost like a diary in a way. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been using it to kind of catalog and kind of be like this little virtual book of yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. week by week entries of things that I've worked on. And sometimes I'll go back and look at things, I'll go back and listen to things. I'll be like, Oh, I should work on that thing again. Develop or, it more. Or, or finish out this patch. A lot of times yeah. I, I, I record because I'll work on several patches at the same time. And because you can't recall the patches <laughs> easily, like yeah. resets in a computer, I'll just leave the patches running. Um, so I'll start one patch and then I'll mute it and then I'll work on another patch. It's on another part of my system. And then I'll work on that play and then I'll make, record a video of that. Right. And then I'll be like, maybe sit on it for a few weeks and go back to it and see how I feel about it before I pull it or record it again or record yeah. another variation. So it's a good way to catalog. It's a good place that I'm always going back to that just, it's a good reminder of things I've done in the past. So I don't forget right. them and be like, oh yeah, I should. <laughs> do something with that or go back to that patch that's been patched up for months and finish right. recording that to a song, you know, or did, did, you know, did my fans like it or what, what kind of feedback did it get? You know? So it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's more for like a, 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 a place for me to remember things. Yeah, <laughs> it's good use. I feel like my memory's gotten worse since I've had kids. So I'm trying to <laughs> catalog uh. things more and I find it to be a good place where I can share that process with my fans. Um, at the same time yeah so it's interesting to see how you're when you describe your process as a patch which is really to me that's not it's just the f how things are fixated on your modular and all your other machines right <laughs> so that's it's interesting because i work a lot of the time on my computer and it's something <laughs> that i can make save name it put it away I can come back to it, but you have to do some work if you want to get back to where you were. Do you ever, do you take yes. pictures? Do you take pictures of it? Oh to, yeah. I've done visually... pictures, I've done diagrams and like patch notes and okay. all kinds of stuff. And I've used this, there's a couple, there's like an, I, there's an iOS app too, where you can recall patches and stuff with, with modules and stuff. And, okay. But ultimately, even when you get everything patched up to the way you had it it's a little it's bit still, different it's always a little bit yeah different. there's there's always there's a, a lot of variances there's so much variation between when you're using control voltage and there there's kind of like yeah it's it's nerve-wracking and beautiful at the same time because yeah. you know you're not going to ever get it exactly the same so <laughs> a lot of times when i'm creating these patches i'm like all right it's now or nothing i have to capture yeah. this moment yeah now before it's gone and i i my, i always tell my wife i call them ghosts they're like patch ghosts they're like these entities that you have for like one moment in time that's floating in the cables and then you have to record that before it's like yeah. fleeting <laughs> and it's gone you know because like the power could go off the temperature could change or i could yeah. i could do something or yeah. some a lot of times i'll get a patch to a point where it's like oh my god this is sounding crazy and they're like, but I can maybe make it sound a little bit cooler and I'll and start tweaking things. And then I lose the whole thing. And then I, <laughs> I spend like hours trying to get back to what I was like, oh my God, but what, what I was doing an hour ago was so much cooler than what happened. What's like happening yeah. now. And then you're chasing this ghost that's long gone and disappeared. And that's music. Uh, that's music. It's music. It's, yeah. It's, it's no different. It's totally. It's like, it's like, it's like Herbie moment. Hancock. If he was playing a jazz solo, you know, he's yep. playing, he's playing, he's playing it. Oh, I love that part. And then it's done.
it's and done. That's, yeah, that's done. It's very similar. Yeah, it's yeah. very if, if you think about it. Yeah, so I've been trying to be better about capturing things if something really cool is happening. Like yeah, sure. documenting it and recording it right on my record. My recorders are always on. I'm all, I have my system always Smart. ready up to record and nice. stuff. And, but if you know I get stuck, or if I work on a patch where I get to a certain point where I'm like, all right. I should probably stop. I've been better about just stopping before I screwed up more. And I was like, okay, oh, let me just yeah. mute it. And then I'll come back to it. If I've reached a point where I feel like I'm getting frustrated or I'm not totally happy with the direction. So I've sure, been smart. better. just been like, it, just put it on mute. You're at a turning point. It's, yeah, yeah. You know, instead of like pulling the patch and, you know, just let your head get out of that space for a few days and come back to it with a whole different mindset and be like, oh, okay, now I know where I can take this. Cause right. I'm not that frustrated. You gotta, you gotta know when to space. just stop. Cause I totally, I, mean, I do that when I'm mixing, I'll, I'll start. And then I just, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to click on this one, uh, you know, this EQ and then I turn it on and off and for like 30 minutes, my ears yeah. are hurting and I'm like, oh my God, I hate myself. <laughs> like I'm totally. <laughs> and sometimes the best thing is to just walk away and take a break. Yeah. And yeah get your just get out of that space for a little while and you know or just reapproach it at a later point and yeah. in a different state of mind and you can oh, really yeah. you can get really far with that yeah i've had to really be better about practicing that myself especially with the modular stuff because you can run into so many obstacles and weird yeah. things that get frustrating really quickly <laughs> um, yeah, no especially not being able to recall things and things being just like the slightest off balance touch can shift the whole thing. You could lose oh. it also. It's like a, it can be ner really nerve wracking at times. And, and yeah, yeah, even yeah. performing with these things live. Oh can my be gosh, I bet. A stressful situation. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm even for tomorrow, I have to, do, there's some issue that I'm having with my system where oh, no. the, uh, the knob on one of my modules, it's uh, called the ER301. It's like a computer sound canvas module oh, okay. that does all this crazy stuff the navigation knob is starting to glitch out so like oh, if i try no. to patches and stuff it like that's just not good randomly we'll go to something else and i'm like yeah i'm gonna have to figure out how to more more powers tonight. more responsibility you guys spray it with some deoxit yeah something <laughs> so one question uh, i have do you listen to your own music regularly um Yes, I do. Um, usually at night, I'll analyze okay. things like late, late night after I've worked a few hours in the studio and then I'll do dinner, homework with my kids, put them to bed. And then I'll take like an hour or two to maybe listen to what I worked on earlier to see if it's working for me or not, if it's speaking to me. And um, I spend just as much time listening to other music that I do my own music, maybe okay. a little less time listening to my music, but I'm probably spend more time listening to other people's music than yeah. my yeah. own. But I do spend a little bit of time at night listening to the stuff I've done just to kind of see like if I made progress on stuff or, um, you know, where I'm at with a certain track, if I've like achieved the goal that I've wanted to achieve that I've set in my mind. Sure. Sometimes I have, sometimes I deviated far off the path. Yeah. I've been like, yeah. well, I originally wanted this track to go this way, but it's gone in this super weird direction that, but that's cool too. Cause it sounds interesting, but it's, so it's kind of like in my head, I have these like ideas that I originally thought I was going to execute, but then yeah. they turned out to be something completely different. And 
so yeah it's like a more of a reflection type of thing sure. at the end of the night so i kind of reflect on like what i've worked on and like what i've like accomplished or didn't accomplish or what direction things went into so it's more of a review for me in a way yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah. but yeah that's kind of that's kind of how how i look at it so when i listen to stuff um that i've created i'll i'll listen to it and sometimes it's just fun to just listen to stuff to see how yeah after you get past the technicalities of that like is it speaking to me am i emotionally feeling anything yeah, that i powerful. did that's Very the most important, important that's the most yes. important thing like did did somebody feel something from this like did they you know if you didn't then you may probably you may have missed the the whole point of it you know um but oh yeah that to me is pretty important too you know how, how do i feel like genuinely feel like what's the first emotional gut response i'm getting from this is it moving me at all or am i just not hitting it at all like do i need to go back and do i need to scrap this scrap thing or it. what yeah. or not you know so it's um that too plays into it as well so i guess there's all kinds of like little pitfalls that you can run into when you're when you're thinking about all this stuff when you're creating and analyzing and um especially analyzing your own works and being oh, how yeah. critical you are yeah like to be too critical versus wanting to get a second opinion versus you know there's so many and there's i'm finding a lot of parallels between just that field of music where it's your technique is very nuanced you have to be very intentional if you have a certain idea for a sound in mind versus yeah. i practice things like jazz improvisation where i have all these other loads of techniques that i i try to be aware of when i'm practicing and then versus a performance you have to it's 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 a there's a lot of parallels that i find it, sure. between between those fields so we're actually going to be close to wrapping things up and i have a wow. yeah. <laughs> set of rapid fire questions for you okay all right i'll try the best i can <laughs> here we go what are your morning rituals what do the first 60 minutes of your day look like wow um well coffee is the first nice. thing yeah without that i can't function so coffee <laughs> um get daughter and son ready for school that takes up, get them dressed, teeth yeah. brushed. Yep. I see my dad shoot. do it every morning. I Yep. <laughs> That's my routine. Yeah. I've got to get them ready, help my wife get them ready for school and then get daughter to the bus stop on time. And, uh, that's pretty much the first hour of my day. And then straight from that, after they're off to school and all set up, then I get right into the studio and I start working right away. That's pretty much, you know, Bam. every day, you know, after light breakfast, and yeah. um then i'm off as soon as they're in school i try to get as try to be as productive as i can before they get home yeah <laughs> um yeah, yeah. before that because when they get home there's not a whole lot that anything goes until they go to, until they could go Definitely. to bed but yeah so it's those are critical hours for me um but yeah that's generally how i start every day consistency is powerful Consistency is powerful. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I, I work much better when I'm on a schedule, especially on a school schedule. I, I like yeah. the school schedule better. I think I'm more productive and um, more efficient with that when I, when I know I have a fixed amount of time. Yeah, I, I schedules like are I, it pretty make, good. Yeah, you make decisions much faster. Mm -hmm. Much faster and you're more, you've, you come up with more efficient ways of doing things because you know you have a shorter amount of time so you're not sitting there fiddling around doing things. You know, yeah, you're I, like, I okay, let's like, just do it. 
You yeah, just exactly. Get in there. So um, I feel for me, it's a better, a better environment to be in yeah. on that sort of schedule. When that makes sense. Creatively. Okay. Second question. <laughs> what topic would you speak about if you were asked to give a TED talk on something outside of your main area of expertise? Hmm. Wow, TED Talk, huh? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, it's an interesting one. Um, oh, man. I have no idea. I, it's, it's, <laughs> I, that's a tough one. A TED Talk about, I don't know, maybe how to raise raccoons. <laughs> there you go. Hey. <laughs> Communicate. We had a pet. We had a pet raccoon for like six months. That That's we super saved. Cool. kidding me. Yeah, wow. it was one of the most wildest creatures I'd. Had. I didn't know anything about them. It was in the house. What do they? So what do they eat? Uh, they'll eat cat food. They'll eat okay. um, nuts, oh, wow. fish, chicken. Um, most things. Marshmallows. If you yeah, they're them. omnivores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're it, well. They so, typically would eat like. Wow you know clams and um crawdads and fish and uh berries and stuff out in the wild okay but everyone typically thinks of them as like trash trash can pandas and like these these total pests and but i just didn't know how intelligent they are their iq yeah. levels are like primate level iqs i mean the problem solving skills of these animals was just amazing so to me. did you have them in the house then yeah we had pepper in oh, the house wow. she would go to sleep Pepper. In my kid's bedroom every nice. night. Her name was Pepper. Yeah, so that's she would super sleep. cool. What a story! In, my, uh, in her bedroom every night on their pillow, she had her own pillow that she would sleep on, and nice. she was just absolutely brilliant. You couldn't lock her in a bathroom; she could lock, unlock herself out. She could get out. She wow. could get out of a cat carrier. She figured out how to unlock pick up cat carrier lock. I mean, you put a dog or a cat in in, in a box, it, you know. They yeah, can get themselves they out. Yeah. They don't have the problem solving skills that an animal that like that has. It really that, was I did not know that. Wow. That'd that be a fun smart. TED talk. Yeah. And they could vote. There were over 61 different vocalizations, different noises they made. They could purr like a cat. Did you get any I mean, good recordings noises, of them? Oh, I recorded tons of recordings. <laughs> of nice. Yeah. Good, good. I was just, it was just fascinating. I had something that I thought was just like a throwaway kind of animal. i fell in love with overnight yeah. and was like, wow, it's one of the most fascinating little creatures that I've ever come across as a person. That's not really that's a pet cool. person. My, yeah. my wife, my wife and daughter are, uh, yeah, I'm the same way. We, my wife and daughter are. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, well, they're into pets. My wife's, she yeah. was a dog person. She had a cat and a rabbit. We have two rabbits now my daughter has. So that's I've gotten, cool. uh, very, uh, Good at taking care of animals and stuff around here because it's kind of a we kind of live in a wild place. There's a lot of wild, on our backyard. It's very that's that's super uh, heavily cool. wooded. Yeah, we live near nature. There's like a big creek that cuts through the back our backyard, so we see turtles and snakes and hawks and um, owls. We have four big barred owls that live in our backyard and oh, that's so deer cool. and yeah. So it's completely surrounded by nature. So there's there's no escaping it. So the what I've learned about nature, you know, nature, most people probably don't know. I'm a very like technology, technologically based person, you know, they probably don't think that I uh, have much time for nature or experience nature, but it's right in my backyard. I go to it every day and and there's no way to escape it, you know, so, you know, having something like a raccoon that we took care of and raised and saved because basically (laughs) her, she was just left out. Wow. Uh, the litter just in the middle of our yard. I don't know if a Jeez. hawk had, had, was Dang. trying to eat her and dropped her where she was, but she was in a very odd place. And 
we tried to reunite it back with the mother. We tried for a week. The mother never came. They said uh-huh. that the mother always comes, but in this case, the mother never came back. So huh. we were like, well, we can't just let this thing die. We, we should probably just learn how to take care of it. So we did for a while and That's we took care cool. of it until we could take it to a rehabilitation center. So we took her to a rehabber that takes raccoons and rehabs them with other raccoon families so that they could go back to the wild That's again. Cool. But it was, it was a, yeah, like I said, it was a, an experience I'll never forget. And we got yeah, some great yeah, don't doubt videos it. and in photos and um, time with her. It was fascinating getting a creature that was that brilliant. I mean, absolutely. She was yeah, so I, I had no idea that they're that smart. They must be forced. Like, I mean, to, to have, I mean, they have the features of a, of a cat, but I mean, they must the have hands. had, yeah, yeah. They must have been forced to adapt in some way that makes them very scrappy and very, yeah intuitive they're yeah. very intuitive great problem like the pro- like i said the problem solving skills would just blow me away i just couldn't believe she'd figure it out every time wow. and it wasn't like a dog where you'd go out we'd go out on a trail i remember we went hiking in tennessee to this river you know like my wife has watched her friends dogs and stuff and you constantly have to keep no matter what breed yeah. it is um you know well there's a couple breeds that are can be trained better than other dogs but in general dogs still wander off and sniff around and yeah. you kind of have to keep you have to keep an eye on them yeah. um, definitely whereas pepper a raccoon she would always know exactly where we were she would never wander off she'd stay always two to three feet close to us always stay near us it was That's pretty cool the awareness the awareness that she had and how much she paid attention just for even being three or four months old i was like i can't believe wow. the mental <laughs> Like, just, it, it just blew me away. I just, if you, it, there's no other way that you can explain it than the, you, you just have to own, you'd you have, have to, you own have to raise these as a pet, to raise it, to understand yeah. the way that that'd it, be cool. It, I'd like a pet rack. Think and it logically thought about things in the way that it like dealt with certain things. It was always impressed, constantly impressing yeah. me. I'd just be like, oh my God, I have a whole different view on these creatures. And <laughs> I, I just thought they were these pesky little animals that were eating people's bird you know, out of their yeah. bird feeders and you know being a, a nuisance and not really understanding anything about them they've um, got their own culture <laughs> they really do yeah and uh yeah now now i'm like you know uh, i'm like a, a raccoon fanatic i love i love them and, <laughs> and they're a lot of work though and oh, i, I learned it if it, in the wild, unfortunately, they don't live very long. They live oh. only about a five, five to six years. But in, if they're kept as pets in captivity, they can live up to 25 years. You're kidding me. That's pretty crazy. They live a long time. Yeah. But they're tough. They're really tough to have as pets. They're tough sure. to train. But they can be potty trained. They can do Wow. Similar puzzles. to ferrets, probably. Something along that line. Because I know ferrets yeah. are high maintenance, too. They're high maintenance. But yeah, the I mean, I've seen some Instagram accounts of famous raccoons that can paint. They can do puzzles. What? They were they could dance. They could dance like they were doing dance routines with, you know, wow. being taught. They could be taught things that were just, uh, they were just mind blowing to me. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. There was a yeah one one account has this guy where he trained his raccoon to paint these murals. So it's like with his paw. So he paints these abstract pictures. That's that, so cool. I was like, "That's that's nuts." <laughs> makes you think it may, Matt, makes you think about animals very differently. Yeah, you know, elephants, dolphins, chimpanzees. Definitely, the communication. Oh. The yeah, the the level of like where 
Yeah, it really makes you think about. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just stuff that most people don't really think about much. I'm sure you know, and yeah. just yeah, kind no. of just brush off, throw you know, like kind of how I was. We we were living from the it. from the human like, where everything, especially in language, it's very present. It's all from the human point of view. Like a chair is useless is useful to us because we sit on it and we call it a chair. We know <laughs> it's called a chair because we sit on it, not an right. elephant. You know, you know exactly. what I mean. It's, yeah it's true yeah it's yeah it was a very mind-opening uh, experience taking taking care of her and saving saving her um and yeah it was all like you just definitely never sounds know. like you could give a ted talk on raising a raccoon yeah maybe, maybe that like i said for something that's completely out of my normal normal domain i learned a yeah. lot about taking taking care of raccoons and raising them I would, and understanding them and uh, i'd love to hear that ted talk <laughs> yeah, like I do a TED talk on ra- how to raise raccoons. Like, All right, next one. <laughs> do you have a quote you live your life by or think of often? I always say this: that I'm a student for life. I'm a master yeah. of you know. And people always say, "Oh, you're a master of this or a master." It's like, no, I'm really not. I'm just yeah. in constantly in class. Like yeah. I look at my studio and I tell people, like, this is my classroom. Yeah, I'm permanently in class for the rest of my life. I'm just a student. I'm I'm on a, I'm a student on a journey to learn things, and um, I always love that. I always tell people that you know you should always look at yourself that way. Never stop learning. Yeah. Never, never there's, think there's that a you're, lot of you're gonna. There's you know, a lot of humility in that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh no no no. You're um. But yeah, like I just I try to tell people that like. I don't know it all. I don't feel like I'm the yeah. person that's mastered everything. And if you think you have reached that point, then, you know, you, I don't think this you're, you're going to realize kid. quickly that, yeah, you know, like you should, you should constantly, I think that the way that at least I like to approach life is like, you know, it's, I'm constantly learning things. I'm going to be a student forever. And it's always, you know, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be about, you know, how many hours you've spent or no you know. that's a great way to think about it it's well, just yeah no <laughs> i don't know well yeah, we we're for life that's a great so last last question here if you had one piece of advice to give people that have listened through this entire hour of podcasts which means they clearly care what one piece of advice would you give them well if we're talking like music anything um, music production or anything you know or just you know i just had this discussion with, with my wife earlier um you know do it because you love to do it yeah, do whatever yeah. it is in life do it and i think we mentioned this earlier on you know like whether that's music whether that's painting or that's taking care of raccoons or yeah <laughs> whatever that is that you find in your life you know um i i tell people all the time you know like if you can figure out a way to where you can do what you love to do and it doesn't feel like a job. Everything else That's will great. come to you. It'll just come. It's you so know? powerful. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but I know for a lot of people that that doesn't all, always come easy with, you know, no, yeah. like, no. for instance, or like for my wife, she hasn't found that. She's always frustrated. She's like, oh, you found the thing that you always want to do, the passion in your life. And, you know, and like, I'm still looking for that. And I know there's a lot of people out there looking for that, but I think. Yeah, that can be tough. It can be tough, you know, but it, but it is out there. There's something yes. out there for everyone. You just have to find it, you know, whatever that is that brings you the 
that happiness, that, that happiness that you feel like that's what you're meant to do or what you're, you're most happy doing in this life. And I think that's a, a nice, just a good angle to look at life, you know, definitely. And, uh, for at least it's, it's definitely worked out for me. You know, there were definitely oh, times yeah. where it, you know, where I was in like low places and really high places in my career, it's, it's been like up and down and it's never been, you know, a constant thing, but I, the one right. thing that never went away was my love for it. Just the yeah. passion for it. Like, and like I said, I didn't do it for the money. I wasn't there Definitely, because yeah. I wanted to be famous. I just did it because it made me, just made me happy. That's it. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> it Lots. brings me joy to do those things. And it's, it's, uh, it, yeah, it couldn't get more simple than that. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people get caught up in a lot of the other noise that surrounds right, all yeah. that. But, you know, but if you just, that's, yeah. That's some good advice. Yeah, that's it. It's not really complicated <laughs> at all. No. <laughs> yeah, some. The, I mean, is it's sometimes the best advice is just the simplest, and it's yeah. Well, you t you take simple advice, and then you to put it into your con into context is always it can always be hard, but I think especially when it comes to something like finding your passion, if you are yeah. driven, you will you'll you'll find you'll try new things. You'll always be trying new things. Absolutely. Yeah, you'll always be learning. And well, absolutely. hey, this this has been an absolutely great interview. This was very uplifting. Yeah, thank you for everyone who is here, and we will see you all next Thursday. Thanks again, Richard Devine, for coming on the podcast. No problem. Thank, thank you for great. having me.